Welcome to Immersed in Theology. This is the podcast where graduate students talk theology, church, and life. Please enjoy the conversation. Welcome to the Immersed in Theology podcast. We're here for part two on uh, pastoral ministry, pastoral care. And again, it's me joined by... I'm Zach. I'm Andrew. And we are immersed students at Village Church. Guys, yep. we are jumping into part two of pastoral ministry or philosophy of it. Um, last time we were talking about seeing people as actual people, which is probably pretty important. That idea of empathy. How do we actually care for people well? Uh, how do we not just see them as numbers or as tasks or all that kind of stuff? Uh, and then what do we do about this idea of uh, being all things to all people and ensuring we operate in our giftings, do things well, and uh, navigate all of that kind of stuff? Uh, today, we're going to take a little bit of a different road into this, a different look at this, and kind of go back a little bit farther of what characterizes the pa- the life of the pastor uh, and the way we actually come at both life and ministry. Um, Andrew, one of the things you said really stuck out to you, and I totally agreed, uh, was this idea of both mysticism and the contemplative life. And Henry Nouwen brings this into his book and says it's sort of the antidote to like a hurried, busy, um, hurried, busy life where you see people as things um, and you don't actually slow down to be with people, but you also, also you also don't slow down to actually hear from God and then help others to do the same. And so let's dig into that idea of the contemplative life. And so when you think of mysticism or the contemplative life with which both Peterson and Nowen are big proponents of, what comes to mind in that? Just broad speaking, um, because I don't know if we like I feel like we should just talk about what that actually means yeah. first and then how do we apply that to pastoral work yeah I think I think when I think of mysticism it's more of the heart whereas theology more of the head and so absolutely the mystical aspect of our faith is highly important because I think that's where we truly experience and connect with God on an emotional relational level and the head and the theology fuels that. It's kind of like the backbone. But without the mystical, you're not going to experience that that intimacy in the same level. So mm. um, in talking about relevance and uh, how we actually um, love Jesus, now and he says, to live a life that is not dominated by the desire to be relevant, but is instead safely anchored in the knowledge of God's first love, we have to be mystics. And a mystic is a person whose identity is deeply rooted in God's first love. Hmm. And like when I read that, it's kind of airy. Like a mystic is a person whose identity is to be deeply rooted in God's love. How do you do that practically speaking? And so that would be something I'd ask you guys is, um, and I'd love to talk about this. Like, okay, so when we are talking about mysticism, what, yeah, what do you guys think? But then how do you actually do it? Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's a great question. So when I think about even just going really simply and broad um, mysticism, I think a mystery, right? The root of that is this something that's not quite unknown. And I always think of the gospel of Mark. It's kind of defined by mystery, even just it's short, it's to the point, and it leaves you with a lot of questions. Like, who is this? And that's even what Mark was trying to do in this gospel is... This God, this thing is kind of 
unknowable in a sense. Mm. Um, Jesus makes himself knowable through the person, but the fullness of God is unknowable completely because this is the the richness and the glory of God is to be something that is so beyond our brain and our human body that it is mysterious and we should always hold that in deep reverence mm. for what it is. Yeah. And I think that is the start of this whole point is understanding who God is and understanding who we are. And we are always so far below the fullness of God. And if you took that approach to every single interaction, every single thing you did, this is the start of mysticism. And then going back to his, to the quote about mysticism is can you read again what is it mysticism is is a person whose identity is deeply rooted in god's first love right so understanding that and making that our first priority so understanding that god is so high and and we're low is that that will be our first priority when we look at any situation that we will be revered by revered of god have this reverence of god and this full um, honoring of his his character that that puts every single thing into correct perspective and that would just be i think amazing how often it's like i don't want to talk to that guy mm. no stop play out the true facts of who you are who this person is mm-hmm. what your role as a pastor what you're being called to do yeah it doesn't mean you have to do all that stuff but put it through this checklist yeah first yeah, uh, I, I agree. And I think this idea of like mysticism and the contemplative life, it's like, so what does it mean to be a mystic? And mm-hmm. uh, some people say like the Apostle Paul was like the first mystic or one of the greatest mystics. And in terms of like, yeah, you're dealing in the mysterious. Mm. And Paul talks so much about like these weird mysteries. And literally he says mysteries all the time, the mystery of the gospel. Yeah. And like he deals within this whole realm of being indwelt by the spirit and walking in the spirit and all that kind of stuff. And that falls Mm. largely into this idea of mysticism um, and to live a life that's out of all of that. And so it's like to walk in step with the spirit as a mystic where you are being led by the spirit, you're dependent on the spirit, you're following the spirit's leading, like all of that kind of stuff falls into this idea of being a mystic um, and mysticism. And then tying that into like the way you then operate and everything where you're saying like you're looking through a different lens and I think that's what it means to be a mystic is like you are constantly in that place of understanding where God is right. in relation to you, mm-hmm. um, but then also where his spirit is in relation to you in that moment. Um, and you live your whole life like that. So it's that constant awareness and that constant operating out of a certain place right. um, of held belief and all that kind of stuff. And right. then the contemplative life is very similar to that where you're always thinking about that you're always Mm. seeing through that lens right um and you're also thinking too like it's to contemplate right it's to like think it through Mm. and when i think of the contemplative life i think of a slower life Mm. um because it's hard to be a fast contemplative i think Mm. i think that's an oxymoron yeah totally or like or or a busy contemplative yeah I actually don't think that happened. Like that can. Yeah, work. that doesn't make sense. Well, I don't believe in the word busy, so it's fine. 
hurried ignorance is bliss i guess a hurried mystic or a hurried I'm, contemplative i'm busy being compl- contemplative <laughs> contempt i can't say the word <laughs> <laughs> i'm busy contemplating there you go you could say that sure i'm too busy <laughs> to do that i'm just contemplating i'm just too busy being mystical so. <laughs> um i i like i like what you're i've never actually thought of that word mystic or mystical in terms of mystery which is probably stupid to even say but when you guys brought that up it made a lot of sense and so i about i'd say three between three to five years ago i was high i was way more on the mystical side in terms of my faith like everything was about kind of in being in awe of that wonder of god that mystery of god connecting with him um contemplatively in prayer in worship and that was a huge aspect of my faith and now over the past year bible college immerse um and even my year before at winnipeg i've become way more on the logic side and so and that's a beautiful thing i think that's amazing and i think that's what school does is it just firmly roots you in that theology Mm -hmm. but my concern is that we lose sight of that mystical element of the faith that now one is talking about that's so important. And I would say, kind of off your point, Nate, about how you can't have, a, or maybe not can't, but it's incredibly hard to have a busy life and a contemplative life and being and engaging in contemplative prayer. It's so easy to just pretend or say you're busy and not engage mystically with the gospel or with God. And so I think it I think it's a a need today for us to be more on at least engaging with the mystical things in terms of our faith like in connection with Jesus. Right. But it's very easy especially as us as immersed students to just get caught up in logic, our assignments, theology, yeah. and those practicals. Well, I even think I mean, I just think about the name of this podcast, Immersed in Theology. Right. I think about the fact that when you go into theology with this logic that you're talking about, Andrew, when you go into it, it's impossible to not apply it to your life. Mm -hmm. And then you're struck with hard questions. And it's not cut, cut and dry about this is what I should do or this is what I should be. The more you think about theology and immerse yourself in it that's messy and that is hard and then you get to this mystic idea and how do i deal with this versus this works versus faith i mean the bible's filled with these concepts that are to the character of god that seem like they're working against each other Mm -hmm. they're actually complementing each other and bringing a deeper meaning to both but that isn't something that I can just express in a sentence or explain to you. That's something that's lived out over a lifetime through this reverence and this mm-hmm. mysticism of God. Right. So I, I totally think you need both. You need to know Agreed. Bible. You need to know theology. Agreed. And you need to wrestle with it yeah. and apply it to your life and say, okay, I like that, but how do I apply it to my life? Yeah. yeah. And if I apply it to my life, is that something that I can just say on paper or is that something I can actually do? Right. That's where you get some 
extremist like maybe reformed theology or charismatic theology it's like okay well how does that actually work into your life Mm -hmm. and let's look at that as an example Mm -hmm. opposed to just what's on paper but yeah yeah what do you think like like when i think of um the contemplative life or the life of someone who's a mystic or and, and that's something that i've tried to explore a lot in the last while i think there's certain practices and certain certain things that come in to characterize mm-hmm. that kind of a life. Um, and I think of lots of spiritual practices in that. Because when I think of people that are mystics and contemplatives, I think a lot more of the spiritual direction type stuff, a lot more kind of like silence and solitude, um, like journaling, more reflective things, those things where it's like, I don't, like contemplative prayer, it's like, I don't fully understand the way I'm connecting with God. Hmm but there's something going on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you have to have the theology to back it up hundred percent. Right. But then you're engaging in this, like the, the mysterion, which is like what Paul uses, right? right? Um, like the mystery of it, of like, there's this weird thing where like you can connect with God because his spirit's actually within you. And so you can sit and be with him and have a conversation. And like, what does that even mean? Um, and I think the mystic is the one who engages in that wholeheartedly. Um, on a regular basis and is Mm -hmm. seeking after that kind of thing. It's a lot of like practice and experience and things like that going into it where you bring theology into a real world realm so that it sinks into your heart Mm -hmm. and in your head in a certain way too. Um, Yeah. I do want to get practical a little bit because I think, I agree. So what would that look like in rhythms in your life? And then what would that look like in approaches to situations that you deal with? I think there's two, we can set up rhythms in our life uh, one thing that I've, it's really hard for me to do this. I'm a, yeah, my personality is do and pose to be mm. and trying to develop a, a, a spiritual discipline of silence and solitude and just sitting. Yeah. It's like, what? This is pointless, you know? Yeah. But that is the beauty of it. Yeah. And you connect mm-hmm. and sit with God. And I like it. It's hard for me. I want to do it every day. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's like a rhythm I've set up with. I like to talk about that. And then also, okay, a situation comes up, a meeting, a pastoral encounter, planning event. What would that look like? Right. And yeah. Yeah. I think, um, you bring up a really good point. The difference between doing and being, Mm. uh, I think the mystic is someone who's skilled at being, uh, not doing. And this is something I've had. Uh, just on a personal level, like God's really been speaking that to me over the last six months. Um, and the image and the the text that keeps coming back is Mary and Martha for me. Mm. And it's like, there you see the difference between someone who's being and someone who's doing. Yeah. Right. And I get caught That's doing image. Yeah. and I'm always Martha. Right. It's like, I'll do great things for Jesus. I'll be busy for Jesus. You right. know what I mean? Like, and even in that, it's like, you're busy with good things is what right. Jesus says, essentially. But you need to just sit and be right. with me like Mary. And that's my challenge and what I've been drawn into. And I think that's the mystic is the person who's comfortable with yeah. just being because then it flows into your doing. Right. And I don't know if I've ever thought about this before and I'd have to look at a Bible. There's some over there. But um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's Bible. Jesus says, Martha, Martha, Mary has chosen the right thing. And that will not be taken away from her. Mm -hmm. He's not saying 
do this. Well, he is. He's saying you need to do more of that. But he's he's convicting Martha of her sin, which isn't necessarily doing, but it's the judgment on her sister. Because that's mm. really easy. And I'm speaking from a place of, I know it's like, what are you doing? Like, right. you're not doing anything. Yeah. It's really easy for a person mm-hmm. that does a lot mm-hmm. to cast judgment and bring people that be a lot into a place of uh, a lower level. Yeah. And that he's convicting. He's saying, no, that's you're actually falling short to the glory of God right now mm. and sinning by casting judgment and saying, Jesus, tell my sister Mary to help me. I'm trying to serve you. Yeah. And he's saying, no, she's chosen the right thing mm-hmm. that will not be taken away from her. Mm. And it's like, you could have chosen to be with her, but you chose to do, which is good. Right. But but work together in, in glorifying me opposed to working apart. Yeah, fair. Um, it's just really convicting for me because mm. I often say, yeah, but you're not doing anything. Right? Yeah. Don't. It's worthless. It's 100% not worthless. Yeah. It's the same, if yeah. not even more, because he says it's the right thing. I could yeah. be misquoting the Bible. I shouldn't do that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure in some translation it says that. <laughs> I could look it up. But, yeah. No, um, just go by faith. Yeah, it's fine. Someone will correct us later. Yeah. Yeah, I think, yeah, I agree. Um, and I think that's the hard thing about it. And that's where I think as a pastor, you need to learn to just be. And you need to learn how to be with mm-hmm. Jesus in a way where it's like, because you have to, and this is what Dallas Willard says in the whole apprenticeship to Jesus idea is that you have to learn how to be with Jesus so that you can actually learn from him and see what he's doing and like be close to him. And if we're just so busy doing things for Jesus, like now one even says, it's so easy to, you know, uh, be God rather than love God and all that kind of stuff. Mm. Um, I think we'll actually miss it. And, uh, but just being is so hard. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's some people, and I don't remember who this comes from, uh, but they talk about the idea of wasting time in God's presence. Uh, it came out of Paul Miller's A Praying Life, I think, but I think he's quoting someone else. Right. But the idea that like, you're just, to us, it feels like wasting time in prayer. Yeah. And even as pastors, I think it could come to that where it's like, we feel like we're wasting time in prayer because we're like, I'm not doing anything. Yeah. But then you read now and in Peterson, it's like the most important work you need to do as a pastor is prayer. Is to mm-hmm. be a pastor. Is to Yeah. Like is to be the person who prays for the people and who loves people and actually just learns how to, to be. And yeah. it's like, that's the life of a, a mystic, I think, is the person right. who's learning how to just be in mm-hmm. God's presence and see that as productive time. Yeah. Isn't it like Martin... Martin Luther, Martin Lloyd-Jones, I don't remember, one of those guys. Some Marty. Some Marty, Marty you know, McFly. one of those guys. One of them That's, that sounds McFly. right. Yeah. Who says it's like, I'm too busy not to pray for six yeah, hours. Too busy not yeah. to pray. Isn't that a Bill Hybels book? No, it's Martin, it's Martin Luther. Yeah, he says how... I think it is a book too somewhere. He's so busy that he has to pray for at least three hours a day. Right. Yeah. And, and that's, he's going to get everything done. Yeah. And that's like, that's a whole different mindset. And right. I think that's what we're called to as pastors. Mm. Yeah. Is it's like, we're too busy to not pray yeah. for things. Um, and I, learning that unhurried life and things like that. Yeah. I, I think what you just said about the being is, is really good. And it's so easy to sit in silence and solitude before the Lord for like even five minutes. If you're not doing it regularly, and think, oh my gosh, this is so hard. Like I'm wasting my time. If you're not doing it regularly, obviously as the practice, you continue, it's right. a lot easier. But then when you look at it, when you're with a friend 
you can you can sit on the couch with one of your good friends your wife and talk about nothing for like an hour yeah and you don't think it's a waste of time it's mm-hmm. relationship yeah and so i think that's the heart behind when guys say that stuff is it's not wasted time but it can yeah. feel like it though yeah like to especially to the culture it's like that's definitely why, why would you spend culture. your time why would you spend 45 minutes doing nothing right? yeah and it's like, well, because that's actually the most productive part of my day. Yeah. Um, because that's where I actually yeah. get, like, fed. And I actually get to be with Jesus and stuff. So, this is the transitions. Because you were asking, yeah. so what does it look like in your private life? Now, where do we go with yeah, it? Yeah, and I want to say this. Because I looked yeah, sure. up this verse. Yeah. Uh, Mary and Martha. And he said, uh, Martha says, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Yeah. Tell her then to help me. And then he says, but the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled mm. about many things. I think this is a good transition. We're doing all this stuff. You are anxious and troubled about Mary thing, many things. But one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion. I think that's interesting. Yeah. Which will not be taken away from her. Mm. Yeah. And the question I got, we can talk more, but one of the fundamental questions, is it enough to spend enough time in prayer and does that help us enough in our mm-hmm. other times? Mm-hmm. Or is there an, another attitude that we have to continue in the busyness, which maybe the sin of that would lead to trouble and ex- and anxiety, um, right. which is said here. Anyways, yeah, thought that was really interesting to bring mm-hmm. it up. No, that's and, good. And I he clar- says the good portion, which is like, yeah. the, uh, I don't know. That's interesting. Yeah. And what, is there more to that verse? Like it goes on for another like sentence, doesn't it? Or is that the end of it? No. Like that's uh, that's the end of the chapter. Oh, okay, I was thinking of something else. Anyways, um, yeah, I think it's it's kind of both. And I think you learn in those times of being how to then continue being. Um, the monk brother lawrence you guys heard of him before yeah, yeah. brother yeah. lawrence paul yeah yeah <laughs> uh practicing the presence of god mm-hmm. like that's his whole thing um and this is that contemplative life again yeah. of just yeah. he pulls that private time being prayer all that into the rest of life mm-hmm. and so he has these i always butcher this quote but he was a dishwasher at a monastery that was his job or a cook cook and a, and a dishwasher and he says basically like i can feel the same level of intimacy with god when i'm online as a cook or i'm washing pans and stuff like that as i do on my knees in prayer in the morning yeah, wow. he's like the int- intimacy that i feel doesn't change yeah. because he's learned how to what he says practice the presence of god in everything that he does and that's where i think it, it draws into the rest of life is you learn how to do that. You learn that mm-hmm. in the quiet time, but then it comes into the rest of life mm. so that you can go through everything you're doing with an awareness of God's presence in that. And that's where it becomes so important. And he says this other fascinating thing. He says, if you find it hard to engage in a, in like a, a quiet time, whatever you want to call it with God, in if you find it hard to engage in being and in prayer, he says, one of the, one of the issues that you're probably facing is that you've gone so far away from him in every other moment of the day. Mm. You have to come so far back. Right. And he says, if that's your problem, then try not going so far away throughout the rest of the day. That's a yeah. great and you'll point. find it easier to come back that's a great later. Mm-hmm. That's to me, this contemplative going to the rest yeah. of life. Right. 
So you've learned it. Now carry it. Mm-hmm. And actually learn that disposition for the rest of life. Then that it starts to influence the way you interact with people. Right. Because now this is where totally. that awareness of the narrative of your place, yeah. of God's work, of what the Spirit's doing, all comes into play totally. in every interaction that the interaction that you're having. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like I think there's so much within that. That's really good. Yeah, it's like the, the foundation. Um, I I was just reminded Dallas Willard he said once that the most important aspect of our life is keeping God before our minds. Mm. And that's always stuck with me because how easy is it for that not to be the case? Um, But on a practical level, it's like, okay, how do I keep God at the forefront of my mind throughout all times of my day? Like that doesn't seem possible. Like there's certain things that are going to attract and need my entire attention right but it's almost like the how you set up your day how you are engaging in just being even when you give your attention to those other things god is still in your mind in your heart and that is a posture i think that brother lawrence obviously mastered Mm -hmm. yeah yeah that's good thoughts zach like does that answer like does that do you think that we're getting at what you're totally what you're driving and i'm just think it's a good conversation oh yeah because i think pastors really struggle with it i think especially oh i struggle with it all the time right like anyone in ministry i just think about so monday most pastors quit on a monday and that's because they just come have come off of sunday ministry Mm. right right and I know there's so many stories and maybe people are listening to that and they got their, their, res, uh, resignation letter all printed out and stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's usually the stress and the anxiety and the overwhelming burden of life. And okay. You come off of a Sunday with more anxiety, more trouble. I can't do that again. Mm. That's with people. And I mean, obviously, uh, not saying, oh, well, you're not spending enough time with God, but what is the the heart of that anxiety and that trouble and that burden? Mm. How are you approaching every single situation? You know, is it that you aren't spending enough time with God? Aren't you? Is it that you aren't taking this correct attitude with God through these things? Or maybe... And I'm a very practical person, so I'm like, are there practical things you can do? And and maybe it's a practice of stopping and never addressing something in the moment. That's just off the top of my head. You Mm -hmm. know, maybe it's an idea of structure. I don't know. But Mm -hmm. I think what you guys were talking about was so, that's the heart of it. That's the deeper heart. Because you won't be able to implement any tangible practices if you don't believe in the heart behind them mm-hmm. it will just be dead bones of mm-hmm. saying okay let's talk about that tomorrow and set up a meeting that's what i'm supposed to do it's like oh, i want i want to contemplate that more that's really great let me just sit with that we'll talk about that next week well mm-hmm. the events next week that's okay they'll <laughs> happen right yeah. yeah whatever it is yeah and i think the that time spent uh, being and th- like thinking, meditating, 
on scripture or on what God's speaking, all that kind of stuff. Like it just sets you up better to address those things in the moment too. Um, because you're reminded of in, in, in silence and solitude, especially like, I don't know about you, but like, I feel small. Mm, Yeah. Um, and like, and even in taking breaks and I've been practicing taking a Sabbath, it's like when you stop doing things for a little while, you one I get really anxious uh, but two you start to kind of realize like I'm not a big deal mm-hmm. like I cannot do things I mean you're not a big deal I'm, <laughs> I'm a big deal we you, know that you need to okay. practice more silence and solitude then no 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 God told me <laughs> I'm kidding <laughs> is he though anyways <laughs> um, but yeah so it's like you start to think a little bit differently yeah and you begin to be informed and your anxieties kind of come up and you can deal with them and your fears and your pride and your face with all those things. Yeah. So you come up to uh, a busy Sunday where the whole, everything hit the fan and you're What's like everything. <laughs> <laughs> and you're trying to like deal with all that. Uh, but then re- having that position and that, that mindset of like, I don't have to deal with all that. Mm-hmm. Um, this, this isn't, isn't on me. Every person that walks up to me isn't another to-do list. Yeah, that's where I think that the burden is. The yeah. oh, it's another thing, and and you are first filtering it through your tasks yeah. before filtering it through your position, your being of a pastor that is first responsible and to God. Yeah, it's like oh, another to-do list opposed to. Oh great, let me hear it out. Yeah. And then filter it. Yeah, for sure. I uh oh what was I just gonna say? Do I think about it for a sec? I have a, I have a point. Sure. Um I think that I'll come back to you, Zach. Thanks. I think one of the <laughs> most important things as Christian leaders is not getting caught up in the appearance based culture that we have right now, mm-hmm. which is how do you look on the outside? What's your what's your reputation, your status, your social media, your church graphics, just all that stuff. It's all outward focused. And then it makes it so hard. I think it's why we find it so hard to pull back and do those things in isolation. And like it it's the secret place. Like I mm. I keep thinking of how important it is for pastors, especially as they grow and they increase their spheres of influence to be active in the secret place in their time of devotion with God. Cause without it, I you're done for like, you're just, you're done mm-hmm. and you need to have it. It's, it's a necessity. It's the lifeline. That's why Martin Luther talks about it, about th- praying three hours a day. And I remember I was, I was with a pastor and an, an amazing man of God. And he was talking to a church planner and he was mentoring him. And he said, okay, so how often are you praying per day? And he says, uh, like about 10 minutes. And the um, pastor that I knew, he said, okay, like you got to start praying for 30 minutes a day. And when I heard that, I was like, okay, that's kind of like, maybe that's a bit religious or, you know, telling him how long he should be praying for at least like a day. But I think, I, I don't think that's bad advice. Like a church planner is running into issues. There's problems. And he's only praying for 10 minutes a day. I don't know if you guys agree, but I just, maybe it can be as practical as, hey, you should pray for a bit more time every day. Right. Like, like honestly, like it's, yeah. 
we think that 10 minutes in prayer is a long time, but mm. is it? I I think it's totally practical. It's like, I mean, it wouldn't sound as harsh as if I said, just double your prayer time. Just, yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. That's a great way of putting it. Just double your prayer time. Whatever it is, you should be doubling it. And that is. I guess I'm going to three hours now. Right. I'm 26 hours now. (laughs) Oh, shoot. (laughs) Sorry. You better start praying. (laughs) Um, No, I think that's great. I think practical, it's not, it's understanding the meaning before the the task. Mm -hmm. I'm I'm okay with religious, quote unquote, acts um, because it's not you're not going to do it. You know, it's like, it has a purpose. Mm-hmm. If you're just doing it for the sake of doing it, then maybe think about it more. But, you know, you know, without works, faith is dead, right? Yeah. And yeah. that's exactly. so true. Exactly. Yeah. I was just going to say before, what you're saying about your quiet time, you feel, um, how do you feel? Well, you start to kind of like feel small. Yeah. In some right. way, right? Uh, yeah. yeah. I was going to say, I feel, um, vulnerable yeah and then helpless and then comforted Mm. and it's kind of these circular motions of that you know maybe not in that order in different ways sometimes it's comforted right top i usually like to sit right here i light a candle i'm gonna lose all my treasures in heaven by telling you (laughs) (laughs) um and it's just like (laughs) <laughs> knowing that this is a space with God yeah. and he's invited yeah. you here and he's saying, this is great. This totally. is the good portion right here. And just saying, okay, great. Mm-hmm. And then God, let me bring you stuff. And then, oh, that's the vulnerability, the helplessness. What am I going to do about that? And then yeah. walking through the comfort of saying, hmm. oh, whatever it is, yeah. you know, it's, it's, I'm here with you. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And that's, so yeah, maybe and maybe that circular feeling is okay too in other areas of life. Mm. That anxiety will come totally in <clears throat> stressful times in ministry, mm-hmm. but work through it yeah. and circle back around to what is the purpose. Yeah, and bring those things back to God too. Yeah, right. And that's where it's like you can bring Him in in the moment instead of waiting right. until your prayer time the next day. Totally, yeah. it's yeah. like hey that thing just happened. Your anxiety just hit the ceiling. Yeah. Go take five minutes. Yeah. And in that moment, actually just pause. Right. Right. And it's like, that's the thing that's so hard to do Mm -hmm. is to be aware enough to go, Oh, I'm really anxious right now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so I'm going to go sit for five minutes and pray about this and just kind of like, yeah, just be present in those emotions and and go through that cycle. And for that to be a reaction to whenever yeah. that happens yeah. just naturally and i that's come back to the religious thing you you need to get good at that we'll practice it yes so mm-hmm. if you're doing it every day double it now you're going to be better at that at mm-hmm. identifying right. those emotions in the moment saying i need a break right yeah right. yeah it's that move uh, yeah i think we get when we get into talking about pharisees and it's like jesus is always rebuking the religiosity right. it's like can we go a little too far? Cause then we were like, I don't want rhythms. I don't want like yeah, structure. And it's totally. like, no, like the religious life is there's structure to it. Yeah. Um, and those practices are practices. You have to do them. And then it's that whole idea uh, of like duty to delight. Yeah. It's like they start, you often start like, I just have to do these things because I think they're important. And then they become delight to you. 
and you actually yeah. start to value them in a yeah. different way. Um, so I want to transition a little bit. So that whole idea is like you have your quiet time. I think, yeah, Andrew, what you're saying, like you don't want to present that picture to people and then not actually do it on the back end in your quiet time. But you're like, oh, I'm a contemplative and you kind of pr- like put this whole thing on and you got to be authentic about it because I think it'll transfer through. And some of these writers, what they're saying is, and in the counseling ones too, the greatest gift you have as a leader, uh, I feel like it's now and it says this, one of these guys, is you, is mm-hmm. your undivided, devoted uh, obedience to Christ. Mm-hmm. That's like your gift to people. Is like So if you and your life is characterized by that depth, then you actually have that as something for other people to learn from, but then you're, like God's going to work through that. Hmm. Which then leads me to this question of like, if if we start there, um, do you think that then allows us to bring other people into that and teach them those ways, bring them into what we experience? Uh, that intimacy with Jesus is something then, can we then pull people into that? Yeah, 100%. I feel like that's the way you need to do it. Yeah. Is really, you know, that's, the wounded healer uh by now and it's mm-hmm. it's coming from a place of you're not really any better than anyone else and that's the place that you'll start to do work and it's almost a circular my brain wants to go that's the place that you'll start to be better than other people <laughs> but then realize you're yeah, not yeah. any better For sure and this circular i mean you can say it, you can't really help anyone from that place you'll start to help people Mm -hmm. but back to you can't really help anyone so through that circle yeah for sure you're in that state of Mm -hmm. back and forth you'll say hey come check this out you can't really help anyone yeah god's gonna work through you and help people right and now come join the circle yeah i i feel like that's the only place that you're gonna be as a pastor someone who's like i'm starting to work in the circle yeah and now I'll help you work in the circle. I mean, yeah, I don't think that's a full picture, but no, no, I think that's a good picture. Yeah. It makes sense. Mm -hmm. And I think, uh, again, the counseling textbooks talk about this, but leadership does as well. It's like, and Zach, you'll probably know this. And and you probably read this too, is like the, the people you're leading will never surpass the maturity of their leader. Yeah. And that's the same for spiritual stuff. So it's like people below you, if you're leading them won't surpass your level of spirituality or your level of depth in your relationship with Christ. So if you're just telling everyone what to do and you don't actually do it or experience it, the change won't actually happen for the other people because right. you can't lead them actually into it. Mm-hmm. And now one has this, I think it's now one that comes out of this, um, has this cool quote about the idea of helping others to hear the voice of God. And we can't do that unless we're learning how to do that. And we're starting to experience that. And this is what he says. And I think this is, Uh, big for our society now um, because it's a culture of noise he says the loud boisterous noises of the world make us deaf to the soft gentle and loving voice of god a christian leader is called to help people to hear that voice and so be comforted and consoled Mm -hmm. if that's the call then i don't think we can actually do that unless we're doing it on our own totally and actually learning how to do that totally yeah it all starts from your own relationship with god Mm -hmm. right it's interesting to think about a pastor who doesn't have a relationship with God. Like, what would that look like? 
It exists. Yeah, it totally it's an, does. It's an intentional. Or something? Isn't that what it is? Pardon? There's an atheist bishop or priest somewhere in mm. Canada, I think. Well, you're not talking, still practicing. You're, you're not talking church. an official term, though. You're just talking like pastors that well, appear to be. I mean, as a extreme example. Yeah, you're just taking to the nth degree. Right. <laughs> but in the more common pastors that yeah. aren't really following Jesus. But everybody thinks they are. Right. Yeah. And I mean, and the thing is, position. people still find Jesus in those situations. Totally. Mm-hmm. Like God used a donkey, man. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like when, when they approach Paul and they're like, Hey, there's guys saying these things about Jesus and they're off or, yeah. and he's like, it doesn't matter what, like God will use any words that are spoken. Right. Which is mind boggling to me. Yeah, that is. So I'm like, but cause I'm like type A, no, you got to do it the right way though. Right. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, but. So your question, I mean, that example would be a no to your question would be, do we need to do this first? Mm. Well, no, God will work. He might work around us opposed to through us Mm -hmm. in that. He'll work in spite of you. Right. But I think it is comforting to know you're not going to be perfect. Yeah. And to say, I wasn't following Jesus the best I could have. I didn't pray enough. I didn't spend enough solitude. I didn't read my Bible for weeks Mm -hmm. and I still preached, you know, be repentive be have accountability but understand the huge grace of god through that mm, totally. and come back to him and yeah. it's like someone comes up a week after you repented and someone's like two weeks ago that message changed my life it's like mm. wow well right. <laughs> i repented yeah. of that message yes but god still used that mm-hmm. and not that that's a model we want to change but that's <laughs> a comfort of god's good goodness through us yeah for sure because yeah i think it's it's dangerous to take that and go like the idea of cheap grace same thing of like i'll just keep sinning right it's like oh i'm just gonna keep not doing any of this internal work yeah because god will work through it anyway it's like maybe he'll work in spite of you but don't bank on that right he might spite you (laughs) (laughs) yeah like god wants to use you for something and it's right. like so steward that well steward your calling your gifting yeah. things like that um yeah and i don't think you can do that if you're not actually practicing it yourself um yeah i think that's so big like to actually lead people into something that you yourself are trying and practicing and yeah, figuring yeah. out that's even for me enough of a conviction to do it more right yeah it's like people are looking to you totally it's like so you need to spend the time mm-hmm. that helps. It's like, well, I got all this to do list. Like I know Jesus loves me. I spent five minutes with him. Like I felt good. I honestly feel built up by him. Yeah. But people need you more than that five minutes. Yeah. You know, live a life, empathize with your congregants mm. and see what they might need. And right. it might be 15, 20, right. half an hour. Right. And honestly, you, great point. you do see God. Mm-hmm. in those five minutes and you do feel filled Absolutely. out and you're doing everything right empathize with their position and sit a little longer before your nine to five job that you hate yeah, yeah. you know that would be an interesting conviction it's yeah. the times where i push my, my when i push myself to spend more time in the secret place with the lord doing whatever i feel just better in the day like mm-hmm. i i have a I am more patient. I'm more loving. I'm more joyful, more empathetic. It's funny when you remove that, you become a different person. Mm-hmm. 
And I think what you said, Zach, you just briefly touched on how having accountability, I think it is vital, especially for pastors to have accountability in that area of spiritual formation. And because it's just so easy to be isolated Mm. as a Christian leader. Yeah. I mean, this goes in pastoral care. I think every ministry leader needs authentic community that would look like anyone else's community Mm. that they have people that they trust in and and knowing that you don't have to be best friends with everyone in your congregant your congregation Mm -hmm. you should have people that you are best friends with you're sharing your sins you're sharing your shortcomings you're sharing your Mm -hmm. wins you like them that's the biggest thing (laughs) most of the time well i think that's i've just had a big conviction because ministry can feel so on for me Mm. i just need to find people that i like and it doesn't matter what i say Mm -hmm. and they will never see me as pastor zach right no matter what i do because they know me (laughs) yeah yeah and mark talks about that all the time he's got his friends that don't give a lick about who he is right like as like uh as a profession or whatever and that also speaks into a wounded healer the more you know someone the more right. you're like you <laughs> yeah you're are, like, oh my gosh you're, you're a, a mess, mess. <laughs> yeah because everyone is yeah right totally but understanding that there's people that it's like it doesn't matter because yeah. i like you that's great this is my friend i'll call on you i'll do life with you and this is a you need to have that a me experiencing community truly yeah and it's that support system and i think that's how you in part sustain what we're called to as pastors is like you need to have people around you it's like that is just one of the aspects that creates sustainability and pastoral someone speaks about it right yeah i think so like there's that aspect of like yeah in these books it's definitely in there of like you need people you can share with you need people that you can go to and in varying levels too right because you kind of need that person Mm -hmm. that's above you as like a supervisor too i think who you can ask questions of but then also those people around you who it's just like, we're just going to share all the crap we're going through this right. week so that we can help each other through it right. and just pray with one another and talk about it and be open. And it's like, share your sins from this yeah. week and like all that kind of stuff too. I think that's goes against, uh, like it helps guard against the loneliness of ministry that you were talking about, Andrew. Yeah. Now one says he's like, um, pastors, ministers, they need a place where they can share their deep pain and struggles with people who do not need them. Uh, but how, but who can guide them even deeper into the mystery of God's love. Yeah. So it's like people that don't need them to be a pastor for them. Right. Mm -hmm. But that can guide them deeper into God's love, the mysteries, the mysticism, that kind of thing. Mm. Um, But yeah, they they don't look up to you as being that Christian leader. And that's, that's essential. And it, it is interesting too. He just points out how Jesus um, told the disciples to go like two by two mm. and there's just that there's that element it's just community all over the place mm. yeah that's good well, i think we got a few minutes left and one of the things that i want to just come back to and like we all came into this with an idea of what it means to be a pastor um, and for us personally like when we look ahead because none of us are really in that position now yeah. we are pastoring to some extent but as we look ahead into like pastoring a church or being in leadership what does that actually look like? Yeah. Like, what do you envision that being? Because I'm going to bet it's probably different for all of us. Um, and one of the things that for me, just like, I just keep coming back to this idea as we're talking is like, um, 
what's going to define my pastoral ministry uh, isn't going to be all the things I do necessarily. It's this, it's the quote that now one has, um, oh, where'd it go? It's not about if people take you seriously, how much you're going to accomplish and how, and the results you can show, but it's this, it's, it's the answer to the question that Jesus asked Peter, like, do you love me? Mm. And that's the one question for me that I always come back to is like the way that I'm doing ministry and life. How am I answering that question? Mm. Cause that's, I think what's ultimately going to matter at the end is Jesus can say, yeah, yeah, you did stuff, but do you love me? Yeah. And then, and then Jesus with Peter says, perfect. If you love me, then feed my sheep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's the precursor. All right. And I think that's huge. Anyways. Mm. Yeah. I love that too. I think that's like a great, you know, I just want to end on that note, but <laughs> I have things to say, so we're not going to, um, do you love me? And then the precursor. Yeah. It, um, everyone's called to love people and shepherd to people in some capacity, mm-hmm. but it's understanding that your relationship with God is first. And so my definition of pastor is, I like this, what we're talking about before is being a pastor. Yeah. A pastor is someone who Mm. is a pastor Mm. and that they embody, they act it, they sit with it. They, they do all these things and not, they do them. They are them. Right. And that, that is their calling that's what they've had that conversation with god he said do you love me we said yes he said then feed my sheep and they say i will Hmm. and then that's the conversation going in my head over and over again and that's just my identity is in that Hmm. yeah and to the capacity of be lead be a church leader lead my church great ministry you sit with people i am a pastor Hmm. that's Hmm. what i do yeah that's that's not what I do. I keep saying that, but yeah. it's, it's who it's I who am. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and yeah, yeah. I agree. I think there's also this this level of that where it's like, in the same sense that you are a pastor. I think it's almost like for me, this is what it was like when we did the um, write your own eulogy hmm. exercise. Yeah, one of the things that came down to me was that I feel like I have that call to to pastor to pastor. Yeah. And for me, it's less of be the pastor, which I agree with you. Right. But it's also that sense of like me being is to pastor. Like I'm called to do that function. Yeah. Right. And so now, even though we're not pastors and I'm not a pastor right now, I'm in leadership and I'm called to pastor. Yeah. And that's forever going to be my calling, no matter what I'm doing. And no matter if I have the title or not. Yeah. Yeah. I think people that have been gifted to be pastors will pastor no matter where they are yeah it's just it just happens Mm -hmm. i think that breaks down our construct of modern day non-profit official organizations of church Mm. it really speaks into the heart of you know it's just a people that emphasizes the point of who is the church Mm. nate's Mm -hmm. the church because he's called to be a pastor and he pastors Mm. And in this circle, he was pastoring. There was my church. He didn't right. get paid. Yeah, that was my church. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that just plays in that <laughs> you don't need to have a salary and a mm-hmm. title and a nonprofit number yeah. to be 
a church and to have a pastor. Fran- Franny Chan, man. Yeah. Francis Chan. Let's That's like one of his yeah. things, dude. Yeah. I'd say another thing that I, I think of in terms of pastoral, which kind of was developed as we were talking, is pastors are have a lot of empathy. And I think some of them have empathy on a one-to-one level where they relate with the person in front of them. They will go the distance. They will help them. They will, um, they will swim out to save them when they're drowning. And that, but then there's other pastors. They're not necessarily gifted on that one-to-one level, but they're gifted organize, um, like as a, as a leader to look over a congregation, like group of people, and they'll be empathetic with their congregation as a whole. Mm-hmm. And so they will go the distance. They will dive in to save that congregation from whatever's going along, uh, going on, going on culturally around them. Mm-hmm. But that empathy, I think it can have a twofold impact or effect, but I think it's so vital and that it, at the core kind of is a pastor. Like they have right. that. Yeah. Then I do want to touch on what is a pastor too is, is fulfilling the mission of the church yeah. as well. Um, and I think that just goes back to gifting. I mean, just making the point that pastors have different gifting. Some are, yeah. are more empathetic. And that's mainly what we're talking about here is the shepherding pastor of people. The care role. The yeah. care role. Yeah. And, and I think totally. that's... But there's other pastors too who have different giftings and they should still care because I think that's the main thing is a pastor needs to care Mm -hmm. about the people around them. And I think it's a good conversation because it's easy to see in modern day church staff structures. Some people have the pastor title. Some people have the director title would be maybe. And an executive pastor, although mainly administrative, should still shepherd the people that he directly interacts with. Yeah. yeah maybe that's staff. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's key volunteers. If he doesn't, then he should be a director and a, or executive director or something like that. Yeah. I don't know. I just thought of that. Maybe that's mm-hmm. wrong, but it's a good thought. No, no, I think you're right. Yeah. Good that makes sense. Not to overthrow all churches, but think <laughs> about it too. You know, people, yeah. we start to say, let's, expand our definition of pastor yes let's do that but pastoring is a very good god-centered act that needs to happen to every person who is part of the church yeah 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 i agree i think yeah you can't get away from a fundamental definition of what it means to pastor as well as what it means to be a pastor yeah and yeah there'll be changes and there'll be different giftings and there'll be a lot of fluidity but then there's fundamental things that we come back to and this idea of care and shepherding and all that kind of stuff that we were hitting on which i think is is good yeah are we done for time yeah let's wrap her up okay i feel like we barely scratched the surface after talking about all of that there's like still so many more things that we could cover totally but i think that was good let's get digging into what it means to be a pastor and the idea of empathy in your internal life and all that kind of stuff so yeah I've got a lot more questions and we could do like three more of these, I think, but just start serious. <laughs> yeah. But I think that was good. Yeah. So. Okay. Thanks for listening, everyone. Bye. Bye. <laughs> this has been an extend network production.